0: Hey, this is Jason Hubbard and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Romans has been an amazing study, and I I will tell you this. We will be going back into Romans Uh, In the future, there's so much in there. You could spend the rest of your life in Romans. I mean, it's just, it's powerful. It's an amazing book. Uh, So we will go back there. The goal of this series was kind of to hit more of the the main themes as we've navigated through. Um, And so we're going to be finishing this out today. Um, And and as a a culmination, I want to remind us kind of this outline of Romans that we talked about at the introduction, because uh, Paul is going to actually bring conclusion to all of these thoughts. right? So if we remember that the outline of the book of Romans was that chapters 1 through 3 talked about how righteousness was required. That for each of our lives, that there's actually a, a righteousness, a right standing before God that is required for each one of us. This is, this is what is, is required. And so it talked about this in the first three verses, or the first three chapters, rather. But then it talked about this and this is this is what was so important is that chapters four through eight talked about how we've now received righteousness and it's not by your works, it's not by the things that you do, so many good things that you do in order to earn your righteousness. The power of Romans says that you've all fallen short, I have fallen short of the glory of God and we need righteousness to be provided outside of ourselves, enter Jesus Christ. Who came and paid that sacrifice, so that we have now received righteousness and right standing before the Father. Then you jump into chapters nine through eleven, and it talks about how even people who had received the righteousness of Christ churned away and rejected that righteousness, and many of them went back to their old mindsets, their old thought processes about what salvation actually looks like, and trying to just follow and do all the right things, and 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 so so they actually reject what Jesus offered and the righteousness that he provided and went back to try to earn their own kind of righteousness. But then chapters 12 through 16, Paul says this, for those who have received the righteousness of Christ and have put their faith in Jesus and begin to live this life of faith in him, then what happens is that righteousness is revealed through their life. So it's this whole progression that Paul puts us on. And we've been talking about this more recently um, because, you know, obviously 12, 13, and 14 are the most recent books or chapters that we've done. And so we've talked about what it looks like to have this working out inside of us. Chapters 15 and 16 are actually going to bring a culmination to 12 through 16. It ties all of them together, okay? This whole thing. And what it does is 12 through 16 culminates in what it looks like to be an example, to have an example life of a believer. What does that actually look like to have an example life? And we see several things. If we go back to chapter 12, we see that the example life of a believer is one that is transformed in thinking and living, not just less conformed to the world, not just stays a little bit further from the world, but actually is transformed by the Holy Spirit at work inside of us. Then you go on to chapter four, or 13, rather. the example life is respectful to authority. We might not agree with authority all the time, we might not agree with all of our leaders, But what Paul's saying is we all as believers, as an example of the Holy Spirit in us, as an example of the righteousness of Jesus that flows through us, we are to be respectful to those leaders. And then finally in 14, the example life is without judgment towards one another. There's no judgment that exists between one another. And this is is a transformation. This is an example life that actually exists and takes place in that place. So, it's the example life. And so, this is what Paul's talking about. As we jump into 15 and 16 today, it's the culmination of this idea of the example life. I was reminded this week of a story of two guys who were driving down the road, and, and one of the guys up front was going a little bit slower than the guy behind him, and the guy behind him was just having a tirade, just super mad, tailgating everything comes up to an intersection, the, the light goes yellow, and so the guy in front slows down and stops, like you're supposed to do, because that's what we all do when we see a yellow light. Yeah, exactly. Yellow means go faster. <laughs> I don't know what you got. you guys that means that? Wow, you guys are better than me. Okay, so it stops and the tailgating guy has to stop and he just slams on his brakes and he's yelling and cussing and flipping him off and doing all this kind of stuff. And here's a tap on the window, mid, mid rant. He looks up, a police officer's there. A very stern police officer opens the door, and says, sir, I'm gonna need you to get out. He's like, what did I do? Arrests him, takes him down to the police station down at the police station, books him, fingerprints the whole nine yards, puts him in jail. A couple hours later, the policeman comes and releases him and pulls him out, takes him up to the front where all of his things were that they were holding and said, here, you give it back. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I made a terrible mistake. You see, when I pulled up behind your car and saw you yelling and screaming and cussing and flipping off the person in front of you, I looked and there was a what would Jesus do bumper sticker and a follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker, a change life license plate and a Jesus fish symbol on your car. And I thought for sure you stole the car. What kind of example are you living? (laughs) People will get it. Just wait. wait. (laughs) It'll keep you laughing all day. What example life are you living to those around you? Is it the example life that Paul is talking about? The kind of thing that he outlines in these books? Or is it something different? Chapter 15, he's going to lay out some specific things and then he's going to bring this whole thing to a conclusion in a really, really cool way. The first verse of of chapter 15, he says this, Now we, who are strong, ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. What is he talking about? He's talking about those who are strong in faith. Strong in faith, as he talks about in Romans 14, are those that their faith is not shaken by and affected by some of these other things that are taking place. A faith that is strong in the middle and as you walk through, bless you. Amen, Jesus' name. I mean, praise the Lord. Let, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I'll, that, that was a first for me. I've never had a dog shouting me down before. That's amazing. I wasn't even to the good part, man. All right, so bear with those, bear with the the, the weaknesses of those and not just to please yourself. Paul says, listen, your life is meant, first thing on your notes, use it, use your strength to serve others. Use the strength that you've been given in your life to serve other people. Don't do it as a self-seeking, self-serving motive to just make yourself better, but actually use it to serve other people. And this is, this is totally different than what the world tends to do. Here's a, here's a reality and a truth for you as a believer, and this is a principle that will absolutely take you so far in life is understanding this, that on the spiritual journey that we are on, all of this, all of us, at whatever stage we're at in our journey, are always going to be one step ahead of somebody else, meaning there is always one person, there's always somebody who you can reach back and help along your spiritual journey. Even if you have just given your life to the Lord, have just started following Him, have just started your walk, there is somebody that you can help. So Paul says, "Are you going to use the strength that you've been given?" to be able to help somebody else. Now, the reality though is this, and this is equally as important so that we don't get big heads and believe we're all that in a bag of chips. There's always someone who's gonna be one step ahead of you in the journey. And we need to understand what it is to come alongside and to glean from the people that are one step ahead of us and look back and help the people that are one step behind us. And by the way, it doesn't mean that if you're one step behind, you're lesser. We're all at different places in our spiritual journey. That's just that's the reality of what it is. You take two people that are the same age, and they're going to be at a different place in their walk with God because of their history, their life, everything that's taken place, right? But we have to understand this, that our life is meant to help somebody else. That, that, that's what we're about. That's the whole thing. Then he moves into verse 2, and he says this, Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good. Now, now pleasing here, when he talks about this, is not to please the flesh or the carnality of somebody else. It's not just to make somebody else look good through flattery or whatever it is. That's not what he's talking about. He says this, to his edification. To edify someone is very different than flattery because flattery doesn't actually benefit the person. In fact, in a lot of ways, flattery can be self-seeking. But edification has a different purpose. So what's Paul say? Edify one another. Edify. Don't flatter. Don't falsely build up. Edify one another. Edification speaks to the growth of your spirit and your mind. Are we helping each other in our edification for their spiritual walk to grow? for their mind and their spirit and their soul to be strengthened and to grow. That's what edification is. I I wanna give a shout out real quick to the the small group team that we've been meeting with. Um, Dustin and uh, Rachel, Lauren, uh, brother Mark, wherever he went, he's out. And you know, oh, there he is, he's right there. These lights are really bright. So I can see you all perfectly, everyone in here. I believe that you are looking at me and smiling. Um, And and then Brother Mark, and then um, uh, Dwayne and Sheila as well. And what I love about this group is this, and so many others in here, they know how to edify. You know the people that you've talked to in your life who know how to actually build your spirit. Then when you walk away, you go, wow, I am encouraged, right? So we are supposed to be doing that to one another. Then Paul does this as he gives the example of Jesus being our edification here. He says this, that in verse three, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the taunts of those who taunt you have fallen on me. He's quoting Isaiah 69, or I'm sorry, Psalm 69. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instructions so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, now what do we know about who is Jesus? He is the Word made flesh, right? The Scriptures, through the Scriptures, that you might have hope. So, what's he say? The example of the one who edifies more than anybody else is Jesus. Follow his example in how you edify, in how you serve, in how you love one another. Paul says this, and then he goes on to the next point. Verse six, he says, or verse five, he says this. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus. So that with one purpose and one voice, you may what? Okay, yeah, that you, 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 I'm giving you permission to talk in church. It's fantastic. So, of all of these, one purpose and one voice, you might What? Oh, you guys are so good. That's that's fantastic. That's amazing. You guys did that with very little leading from me, which is my bad, my fault. I did not lead you well, but you did an amazing job. Fantastic. So what is this all about? Paul says this, persevere and encourage each other to maintain one mind, one purpose, and one voice to glorify God. What is the point of all? all of this to glorify God. And we as the church get to come together to be of that one purpose, to see God lifted up and to be praised. And then in verse seven, he says this, therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us, again, there it is, for the glory of God. So what's he say? He says, I would want to encourage you to persevere, to have encouragement in your life. I I want to encourage you to accept those Because why? You are building something to bring glory to God. This is the goal. This is what's so beautiful about this, is that in all of this, what Paul is giving us right now is the mission statement of the church. And this is something that I want us all to get because this goes way beyond a one life thing. This goes beyond any of that. This goes down to the root of the big C church. The mission statement of the church that Paul is laying out is to glorify God together. Above everything else, above anything else that takes place, above all this other stuff that happens that we process through, we are to glorify God together. We're to step back and understand that we're all part of one body and we're all building this thing together and how to be able to do that. So, Going full circle then, Paul is talking about the example life of the believer, and he says that the example life of the believer brings glory to God. Everything you do in your life, it sounds really, really rudimentary, it sounds very simple, in how, but it's in how we treat one another, in how we love one another, in how we, in how we live. All of this is culminated to bring glory to God. So so Paul says, listen, all the way from from chapter 12, here are some things that are evident in the transformed example life of the believer that you are to live out, right? But then he puts the icing on the cake, and I love this because Paul did this also earlier in the book, but he says this, that the example life of a believer is a spirit-empowered life. You see, it's one thing to go through life and try to just be a good person, and try to live this example life under your own strength and under your own ability, but it always falls flat. Because at some point, you and I, because we are not perfect, cannot perfectly love, cannot perfectly give an example of Christ, we cannot do these things, but we have in us the spirit of God to enable us to be able to do that. We have in us the spirit of God to enable us to do that. And this is the difference. This is why Paul, he puts all these things together and says, listen, this is what the example life looks like. Here is what enables the, spirit, the, the, the example life to happen is the spirit of God that works inside of you. Now he jumps down to, to verse 14. And in verse 14, Paul now is gonna talk about himself now as an example he's talked about Jesus as an example of, the, of of this example life and now he's going to talk about himself here as he concludes this section in verse 14 he says this and concerning you my brothers and sisters I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able also to admonish one another meaning I know you guys know how to encourage one another But I've written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given to me from God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest to the gospel of God so that my offering or my work with the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, listen, this has been my whole purpose. This has been my whole life is to bring Gentiles now to the saving power of Jesus. He says all of this. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. Not boasting in himself, but boasting in Christ. For I, and this is so powerful, the example life, Paul laying this out. I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. I want you to understand something about Paul. Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was an incredible orator. He was a speaker. He, he, he could talk all day long about theology. He was, he, was, he was brilliant. But what does he boil it down by saying? I've decided that I'm not gonna speak in about anything except what Christ has done through me. In other words, If you know a lot of stuff, that's wonderful. If you've studied a lot of stuff, you've gone to Bible college, you've gone to seminary, whatever it is, you've spent your entire life in the word, that is fantastic and that is amazing. But what Paul says is, but what it all comes back to is what is the example of my life and what Christ has done in my life? My testimony. See, it's your testimony that makes the word Come alive. Now, the word doesn't need help. It's alive all by itself. So you don't hear what I'm saying. But you need to have the word lighten up something in your life so that you show its effect in you. Everyone okay? Okay. So then he says this, resulting in the obedience of there. Now, really important words. He says, accept what Christ has accomplished through me resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by what? Paul lays this out, the example life. By his word and his deed, by powerful signs and wonders in the power of the Holy Spirit. These two Greek words here, signs is simeon, and it's a miracle that signifies a theological truth. In other words, it points to the character and the nature of God. So what is preaching the gospel? What's living out in example life? It's pointing back to the character and the nature of God. And wonder is teros. And teros is simply a miracle that produces wonder. It's just, wow, look how cool God is. So Paul's talking about these things working together. And then he goes on and he finishes this up this verse up, and he says, so that from Jerusalem and all around Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So, so, so let, me, let me bring this all to a conclusion here, right? Okay. So what Paul's talking about is he said, listen, I want you to look at my life, and I want you to see the example that I've lived. I've let God move through me as a mouthpiece to the Gentiles to use my life to be able to be a witness of his truth and his grace inside of me. And I've done everything I can so that the Gentiles can come to know salvation. And then he says, and I've done this by, by preaching the word of God, the gospel, the, the spoken word of God that's paired with how I've lived my life, that, that, brings, that brings a solidity to what the word is. I, I can tell you, I believe this because this is how I'm living. And I have the signs and the wonders that have just pointed back to the majesty of God. And he says, all of these things together are what fully preach the gospel, so for us here, for us here, we need to understand something very important. That for our lives, the desire of God is for us to be an example of the gospel. Which means we need to have the word of God buried inside of us so that when someone asks us, why do you live that way? We can tell them. Okay? We also need to have a life that matches up with the word of God that we believe and we need the Holy Spirit to work through us to be able to bring this out and to be able to preach the gospel to other people. See, the word of God stands on its own. I'm not by any means saying that the word of God needs a miracle in order to prove it. But I am saying this, that the, the, the transformation of the Holy Spirit's work in your life or how the Holy Spirit decides to move and use you in life will absolutely confirm what the word of God says. So you need to have both of these things working together. It is the word you share and it's the living proof of the word active inside of your life to bring forth change in people's life. It's all of these things working together. So Paul says, don't miss one piece of it. Understand that you have these things working together. Here, here, here's an important thing, and, and I want you to put it in a phrase so that you could kind of understand it or, or see it. Words that are spoken, you can put it up, thank you. Words that are spoken without an example life will fall flat. Okay, Not the word, but I want you to hear me on this. Go on this train of thought. If I'm preaching one thing and my life does not show this, at some point you're gonna be like, we don't buy it. Like that doesn't add up. You're saying all this stuff, but your life doesn't show it. So the word spoken without the example, life will fall flat. But also, The example life without backing of the word will be misunderstood. And this is what I mean by this, right? Philanthropy is very different than an example life. You're gonna look at a lot of people. Let me give you an example. A lot of people and go, man, you are just, you are amazing. You are so kind. You are so caring. You're so loving. Like you do so many good things in the community and around. And, And you could just go, Thank you. That person doesn't know that your life has been transformed by the Holy Spirit to bring forth those things. Instead of, man, you're just so loving and you're so caring and kind and I just can't believe all the stuff you do. Yeah, well, can I tell you that's not actually naturally how I am. I'm actually kind of a selfish person. I kind of care about myself more than anybody else. And and I run out of patience and grace real quick. But you know, the reason that I'm able to do any of these things is because there is a savior in my life. And when I put my faith in him, he came into my life and transformed me and now empowers me to do the things that you do that I would not be able to do without his help every single minute of every day of my life. Do you see the difference? We can be good people and miss the example life that Paul talks about. So we need to let all of these things come through us, right? Does this make sense? How Paul's bringing this to a conclusion. Now, as I get ready to conclude, I'm gonna go to the beginning of 16, okay? The beginning of 16 seems like there's a list here of people that it's just kind of an arbitrary list. It's a list of people that Paul mentions, right? And, and he does this at the end of his books. He, he mentions people. He admonishes them. This is the longest list of any of Pauline literature, right? And he does it for a very important important part. And the reason for it is this. He gets done With talking about what the example life of a transformed believer empowered by the Holy Spirit and the word of God that makes them and causes them to live differently. He's saying, okay, this is the life that I'm calling you to live as a believer. This is how your life should look. This is what should be different about you. This is how you point back to scripture and how God is alive and working in you. And then he says, hey, by the way, I want you to say hi to these people. And what he's doing is he's highlighting people in the Roman church that exemplify what he's talked about. So you have a list here. And if you ever want to get creative and have a lot of fun, do character studies on, on these people that are mentioned here because you'll find that these are people that lived out exactly what Paul is doing. When Paul mentions this list to the Romans, he, he, they know exactly what he's saying because these are people that exemplify everything that he's saying. So get what he's done. The example set by Jesus of how we are supposed to encourage and edify and lift each other up. The example of his life, of how he's done that to the people around him. And now he says, by the way, in your church, there are some people that are also in there that are doing the same thing. So you see, he gives all these examples. Now, I'm not even going to begin to try to read these names um, because I can only take so much laughter. But I will read the first one, Fowebe. See, I can't even get through one. You're laughing at me already. <laughs> Just kidding. But he, it's Phoebe. I know that. It was a joke. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> Just lighten it up a little bit. All right. So he mentions these. Now, Now here is the important thing about this list of people. This list of people is made up of Jew and Gentile. Different ethnic backgrounds. It is made up of slave and free, different statuses. And then Paul messes everybody up and throws women into the list. <laughs> and everyone just goes, what? What, what is going on? And he just, he just encourages this, right? What is he saying? It does not mention, or it does not, it does not matter what your ethnic background is, you can live an example life for Christ. It does not matter what your social status is, you can live an example life for Christ. And by the way, it does not matter if people have put limitations or labels on you externally, that does not keep you from being able to live the example life for Christ. What do we get from Paul? Paul says, listen, This is the example life. This is what it is. And by the way, here are some people that have done it, and it's not one kind of people, it's everybody. What does that mean for us here at One Life? All of us can live the example life. That the Word of God is on our tongue, and how we live our life points to Christ, and we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to move and see things that are taking place. All of these things at work in our lives. And it's, it's for right now what God wants to do in our lives is to help us to be an example in that way. I'm challenged as I go through this as we close. I, I'm challenged with this all the time because I, I, really, I really believe that we can get this example life thing down in some areas over other areas really well. Some of us sometimes have no problem with living the good life being nice to people, being kind, being caring, all of this kind of stuff. But then when it comes to what is the word of God actually in you and can you regurgitate the word of God out of you? Maybe not so much, right? Or maybe you can preach every scripture in the Bible, but if your life doesn't line up with it, what's the point? So today, here's what I want to do. I want to I pose a question as we get ready to close service today. And the, and the question is this. What part of, of my example life, not, not mine, you personalize this to yourself. You don't all need to tell me what's wrong with my life. I mean, you can if you feel like you want to, but it's not what I'm getting at here. That's a different time. Uh, what part of my example life do I need to focus on this week? Now it's a trick question because we need to focus on all of this equally. So it's not like other things are less important, but in your life, as we've gone through Romans and we've looked at the importance of scripture, we've looked at the importance of living out a life that, that points back to scripture in your life. Would you say, you know what, right now I, I need to put some emphasis and some focus on getting into the word. I do not have enough of the word in me. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, listen, it's time to dig in. It's time to spend time in the word. It's time to get a journal. It's time to get a reading plan. And it's time to actually get in and get it into your system. For some of us, it's now saying, you know what? I've had a really hard time lately actually living out this example life that i'm supposed to and and i i know that i've done things that have maybe hurt people i know that i've done things that have have not been a good example of christ maybe we need to come back to a place of where it begins with repentance and saying god would you please enable me because of your word to live this out in my life and for some of us it might be you know what I just, I need the Holy Spirit to strengthen me to do this. I recognize I'm empty because I've done it all myself. I've tried to figure this all out and strong arm my way through it, but I need the Holy Spirit to actually equip me to be able to do this. And you need to foster that and spend time asking the Holy Spirit to come and give you strength. She's my daughter, so I can say it. When Penny talked about laying down pride, picking up boldness. That's something that the Holy Spirit does in you. So what are those things? My my hope is that today, before you leave, that maybe you just take a second to maybe jot down what God's speaking to you this morning on this. Where do you need to kind of put some emphasis? Where do you need to put some focus? Where do you need to allow God to just come in and move in your life? Maybe it's in the area of the word. The area of letting him help you to live differently in your life or let the Holy Spirit come and move through you. So maybe take a second to do that. I'm just going to give you a second or just, you know, if anything, just process through what's God wanting you to to work on this week. And again, it's, it's kind of a trick because it's all of these things at the same time. Like I get it. What's that specific thing that God's wanting to do in you? I'm going to pray in a second to just close out our time and just pray that God does something an amazing work inside of your heart in your life this week but I don't want to I don't want to end without giving an opportunity for those that haven't yet been able to build and begin a relationship with Jesus by putting your faith in him Um, all throughout Romans what Paul always says always the same is how important it is for us to have faith in Jesus, which brings salvation to our lives. And that is what brings a change and an impact to us. So if you're here this morning and you've never had the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that today, to start your relationship with him. And the way that we do that is we simply pray a prayer, we all do it together. There's nothing magical about the prayer other than it's our words connecting with our heart. And if we pray this with belief, there's something that takes place in our life we're forgiven of all of our sins. Everything is washed away that we've ever done or ever will do. We're given a new life in Christ Jesus. He takes on your sin, took on your sin on the cross and gives you a new life. And so this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Let's all close your eyes. We're going to pray a prayer together along this way. Just repeat after me, Jesus, I come to you today and I recognize that I've been living my own life. I've been doing my own thing. And today, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I put my faith in you. What you did on the cross that paid for my sins and completely washed them away. Today, I receive the new life that you have for me. I love you, and I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.